Welcome to the Hudson Valley Disc Golf Podcast, the only disc golf discussion slash trivia podcast designed to target both a fringe sport and fringe entertainment. I'm joined this week by a man who has never met a rated round he didn't like, a man formerly known as Mr. Eagle, a man who I will be avoiding for several weeks when he gets back from vacation. Thanks for being here, Andrew. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Uh, are you upset? Did you hear that? You're Mr. Eagle. You're no longer. Yeah. You know, I've been, I think I've been like throwing a, throwing other disc better. So it, I'm, I'm okay with that. Have you seen uh, Del Bianco's new Eagle? No. You should see it. It's very nice. It's pretty. It's orange. And, uh, but seeing him throw it, he's, he's Mr. Eagle. You oh, lost he's the guy him. now. Yeah. That and the fact that you know nothing about the band doesn't really help. <laughs> you know? That's fair. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, so you were in the, are you still in the summer, the wedge summer slam demic? I am. I'm, I'm in the losers bracket though. Okay. Well, how, tell me, how'd you get to this point? Well, I lost my first match, um, versus Christian Blaney. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there I played, uh, Sean Winchell, Gary Mason, and, um, most recently Tim Teft. So all three of those you've knocked out. I have. Yeah. I've been, I've been shooting some good rounds. Does it make you feel good to do that to Gary? <laughs> you know, he played he played really well. That honestly, that was my first time playing with Gary, which mm. is weird because, you know, I had seen him at Beacon so often and he always plays that round before dubs, so yeah, you yeah. see him either finishing or starting up early, yeah. Or even when he's been to dubs, I've never like been on his card or been his his partner or anything. So it was fun to like I had no idea like what he played, what his game was about. I I was pretty impressed. He threw a mm. lot farther than I thought he would. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's good. Um, okay, so you're heading out of town. Where are you going? I'm going to uh, Charlottesville to visit my brother and my new nephew. North Carolina? Uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was in the South. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's already made some some tea times at a couple courses. So awesome. Bringing, yeah. Are you driving or flying? I'm driving. So about eight hours. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. <laughs> and how long are you going to be there for? I'm going to leave tomorrow, and I'm going to drive back on Monday. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for uh, taking a couple minutes. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, our next guest raised eyebrows this past weekend with his first round score at the Lost Valley Open. He shot a minus seven fifty four, which was good for seventh place after the first round. No, it's not Rob Valicki who finished the tournament in sixth place. Nice shooting, Rob. <laughs> we are fortunate enough. To speak with a man who, even though he could beat me with one judge tied behind his back, still allows me to pick on his game, the dual citizen himself, Ryan Nelson. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for that demoralizing introduction. (laughs) (laughs) But I I do appreciate being compared to Rob Velicki in the same sentence. I I, I take that as a compliment. You guys had a good first round, and you you had a good tournament overall. I had a great tournament with the exception of one hole. Just, Just one. Yep, just one hole. Was it all all three on the same course? Uh, no, Lost Valley was two rounds at the Steel Club, which is a um, a ball golf country club, um, and the the disc golf course is on their sort of neglected uh, nine hole course that kind of plays up the side of uh, of the mountain there, um, and so they've got a really nice eighteen hole disc golf course on the property, and then. Um, so we did two rounds there, first round and last round. And the second round was at AGA Farms uh, or the the preserve at AGA Farms, which is um, 
a course a little bit further south in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, that's uh, on a uh, preserved farmland um, owned by a wonderful man named Dan that uh, somehow met up with Steve Bro from the Dismania Disc Golf Park um, course designer team and um, decided it would be awesome to have a bunch of guys like us, guys and gals like us, throwing plastic around on his, on his beautiful property. Um, so there's a great 18 hole, um, championship level course set up there. That's all. Andrew, have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of it, but it makes me really want to take a road trip out there to play. Didn't, oh, didn't some, man, wasn't there a road? Didn't some people say that one of the courses you rec- said it sounded familiar. Like some people were talking about, they had been there recently. I think yeah. Like Brent had gone yeah. with like Devin and Chris, maybe that's sounds they right. They did. They did. They came down. They came down last, uh, the Saturday before I, mm-hmm. I kind of convinced them to come i was like you guys it, it, simon's gonna be playing these this, these courses next week you, you gotta come down and check them out so you can stack up your rounds um <laughs> to, to him and uh so we, we played my local course hackett in the morning for uh for tags and then we played uh steel club um that's the, in the that's afternoon the what i had heard yeah and that apparently that one's a big i remember them yeah it's big but it's actually easier to score on than aga aga is super tough okay uh so last time we spoke didn't you uh you won your region of the the amateur match play i won my local bracket yeah the local bracket yeah i won the jordan bracket and so now i'm still in the middle of this well i should say i'm i'm in the final for the state bracket um for mm-hmm. eastern pennsylvania so uh this friday I'll be heading down to uh, Loreline or Laurel Lane, which is a, a course outside of Lancaster, to play the Lancaster winner, uh, Ryan Ellis, in the in the final there on Friday. Nice. Is that a course you've played? I I am playing it blind, and he's played a tournament there. <laughs> okay. So I mean, just one, just the one tournament, or? Uh, yeah, it, it's he's about forty five minutes from the course. I'm about an hour ten. So um, I think he's played a couple couple times there, but. Um, yeah, I, I I'm okay playing it blind. I th- I think just from a pure ratings perspective, I got a pretty good advantage on them, so I'm okay with uh you know something that'll even the playing field a little bit better. Oh yeah. He uh, he actually just uh, the guy that I'm playing, he came in second in MA40 uh, at the LVO. Oh, okay. Well, th- uh, thanks for uh, helping out tonight. Yeah, of course. The bad news about the Mind Kill Disc Golf Championships is that due to understandable travel concerns, the tournament will not be held as we know it. The good news is there will be a tournament that weekend for those who live in that area. Uh, Jason, you'll be running a tournament there? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, right now, it's limited to the Mohawk Valley region and the counties adjacent to Schoharie County. Um, I'm still working with the Department of Health trying to get some more flexibility because uh, as it stands right now, it's um, like half a disc ca- cap players are cut out, which really isn't fair because they're the, the people that support the course and they play together every week anyway, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's true. Um, well, I was curious, you know, with because I mean that's got to be pretty frustrating. Why go through with the the uh, the other tournament? Just I mean, nobody would have complained if you canceled. Is it any particular reason? Um, I had spent months vetting the permit with the parks, um, which was really frustrating. That right after that was approved, uh, I got the notice from the Department of Health. Um, but just going through all that work to get all the logistics figured out with the park. I felt like it was still worth doing. Um, and we already have all the trophies and everything. So even, um, if it's smaller and scaled down, at least it's, it's still something. No, exactly. Wait. So when you say the, the 
Department of Health, Jason? Is that uh, of New York State or the county? It's uh, Schoharie County Department of Health. Got it. Okay. So that's why the the restrictions are um, specific to that county and adjacent counties. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Their um, interpretation of the state guidelines um, basically limits any kind of travel to the region and the adjacent counties. Uh, and apparently that's with their criteria for everything else that has travel restrictions. Mm. But um, it was news to me. It was news to the park when I mentioned it to them. Uh, Cause again, they had, you know, we went through so much effort to get the permit in place and the only really, you know, harsh um, stipulation at the park put was that I had to keep it under 50 people, which was its own um, kind of issue. You know, I, then I had to decide whether, I was going to do two different weekends or reduce the field or end up just splitting the event. And looking at all the logistics, it seemed like the easiest thing to do was split it from uh, Saturday for AMS and pros for Sunday. Uh, and then after, um, literally, it was like the day after that was approved, the um, Department of Health called me. And they had found out through, uh, as part of the permit, the emergency services was notified, which is pretty standard and typical. And, but then they questioned whether the Department of Health should be involved. And, uh, long story short, then I had several phone calls with the Department of Health trying to figure out, um, how we could still run the event and not, and not totally like have nobody come. But right now, I think we have like a, a dozen people signed up maybe. And based on the original people that were signed up, I think 18 of them qualified were in that region. So it literally decimated the tournament. Yeah. And, and if they wanted to quarantine on the property for two weeks and camp out, <laughs> that, that wasn't flying. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, it's crazy times. The other issue, I've actually had to deal with dozens of issues. And a lot of them I don't share on social media just because I don't want to be that guy. But um, another difficult issue is we did have players signed up that were part of the, you know, they were part of the travel um, restriction from New York state. So they had just added Rhode Island and um, you know, it's unfortunate, but even if you're, and I had a player asking me, well, what if I come and I get tested and you know, they, they really wanted to play. And if you look at the the rules, you still have to be quarantined for 14 days. And, and that was tough. That's not something you really like think about doing when you're a tournament director is having to tell people that they can't play based on where they are. Yeah, unless I, I mean I know like the Disc Golf Pro Tour um, has gotten waivers um, or have worked with literally like the <laughs> the state health department to get waivers for those that are going to be like in Vermont at the Green Mountain Championship um, prior to going to um, Maple Hill to play at uh, you know in in the MVP Open there. So like, you know, I guess if you have the clout of the Disc Golf Pro Tour, you can actually get some some exceptions to those rules. Um, like, you know, as long as they produce a positive or a, a negative test within three days, they can they can still go to the tournament and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's must be tough um, and it, for I, somebody like you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I mean, I think New York is especially difficult to just out of all the states. Um, I mean, I don't have any tournaments in. Vermont or Massachusetts, but just looking at the amount of guidelines and criteria that New York sets, it's um, it just seems very difficult to to do anything that's not essential. So 
Well, I commend you for <laughs> for doing what you can to get something off the ground. Yeah, and and just uh, <laughs> when, when I was working with the parks, I mean, the list of mitigation measures that we had in place were insane. Um, so just to go through some of them, it, we weren't going to have our TD Central, so we're going to do a drive-through check-in. Uh, so, you know, everybody's going to split up in groups of four, so there's there's not really a group anywhere. We had purchased a hundred face masks, a hundred two-ounce bottles of hand sanitizer, so everybody was going to be covered with that. Um, pretty much any best management practice you could think of, we, we had in a, a plan that we had submitted and that included reducing the field down to 48 players. And even with all that stuff, you know, I'm still getting these obstacles. And meanwhile, there's a, you know, a birthday party that's scheduled that, that, that can have 50 people with, with no permit or anything. It's, it's frustrating. Right. Cause all those people are centrally located. You're scattering people out throughout the park. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? shame on you, Jason. Yeah. I think my verbiage is, yeah, we will be spread out across fifty acres through the, the park. <laughs> one one person per acre. Yeah. Is that is that social distance uh-huh. enough? So I had to go through the Myco course and figure out the acreage because I felt like that was a good um, parameter to throw in there. I, I'm curious, like, did you? Th- and I, I mean, I don't think this is like ethically uh, a good idea, but like, did you consider un- like not sanctioning uh, so you didn't have to go through some of those like hurdles and just run like a larger uh, tag round? <laughs> I, I've definitely considered uh, lots of options like that. Um, I'm, the thing that's that's caused me not to do that is I have a really good standing relationship with the park and they, they did yeah. work with me yeah. a lot and um, they require insurance. So, yeah, you know, if I don't have the sanctioning, that, right? then yeah. So I, I don't want to give, I don't want to ruin my relationship with them in future years. Although I did definitely consider right. trying to, to do something <laughs> a little more creative. <laughs> Man, Jason, I really feel for you. I'm sure that was like super frustrating. I'm sure you like scrambled a whole lot. Park goes out to you, man. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was, it was frustrating. But at the same time, I knew kind of going into it that, um, that this was always a possibility. And I'm just glad that it's totally it's not completely canceled, but it's, it's decimated. So are you, um, had you already ordered everything? Yeah. I, from the get go, I ordered everything just, um, cause it takes so long for the lead time on stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, there's so much planning involved. So um, or do you have, are you going to have a bunch of extra like player packs and such to sell? Uh, most likely. Yeah. If I can get the department of health to open up the, the, um, or give me some flexibility with like a 50 mile radius. I can probably fill up enough AMs, but otherwise mm-hmm. I'll probably end up just rolling them over to next year. Oh, that's actually, yeah. So there's even a, like yeah. So the, 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 the logo kind of sucks, but um, I, I tried <laughs> to keep the, the date really discreet on the logo. So it doesn't, it's not like, you know, standing out anywhere. It's actually carved into a tree on the logo. So it's not really noticeable, but um, yeah, I got some, I'll have lots of t-shirts left over, some sweatshirts for the sponsors that didn't happen. And uh, I'll have... I de- if you've got one in my size, I'll definitely get it. I, I, mean, I unless, do. I mean, unless there's something more convenient, but I, I'll, I'm 100% in on that. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah. And we ordered, I think, five baskets, um, a few hero bags, and all that stuff will just roll over next year if we don't get enough people this year. I would say, you know, anything with a logo... You, you could probably still sell to to the community like um <laughs> dude i i know multiple people who would buy a, yeah a, yeah a fire pack bike rack that's bike rack waits for this is his thing like he those bags he loves them 
you know? I, I mean, I remember, I mean, this, I, pe- yeah, people just buy, buy stuff like that uh, to support their, their favorite things. Mm-hmm. I remember when fish, uh, I know we're going off on a tangent here. They, <laughs> they, they had a, uh, a music festival called Curveball that was scheduled at Watkins Glen state park. And I, I think it was like after a hurricane or something. And like, they couldn't get clean water on site. So there was literally like thousands of people sitting outside of the, the venue waiting to come in and they all had to be turned around because the state canceled their 60,000 person concert. And so Ooh. obviously, I mean, they had li- literally, I, I mean, I could imagine thousands tens of thousands of of water bottles shirts merch everything all that shit sold out on, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the fish fish dries dry goods site it was like it was unbelievable it's like everybody wanted a piece of it uh even though it was canceled um i feel like you'd get the same support from from everybody at discap and and i'd, I'd buy a shirt for sure you know everybody doesn't want you to go broke there jason yeah. <laughs> uh it's like I said, I knew getting into it, um, there's a little risk involved. And um, the thing that, that sucks most of all is just the amount of time that, you know, you spend on something and not to see it come to fruition. Like the, the money is one thing, but like the hours I spent just dealing with the park, meeting after meeting and constantly checking uh, the state regulations and watching the, the governor's speeches just to see if there was any inclination of what was going to happen. Um, all those hours spent are like the, the biggest loss to me. So I have a question. Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. I would just argue that as much. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but I don't know if it's a loss because I think you're really helping to build the relationship. You know what I mean? Like you said before, you're not doing anything sneaky. You're just going to follow what they're telling you. And then, you know, over the, t- over time, you, you know, that stuff can get better if, if they realize, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's yeah. all the waste, but you know, you got to look at, I, I'm, I always look at the bright side. I'm sorry, uh, Ryan, you were going to say something, right? Well, no, it's a good point. I mean, is, you're you're meeting a lot of people that might mm-hmm. come in handy in the future, like the the health department. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're, so so you know, I think if 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 you uh, you know operate with um, dignity and respect here and, and reasonableness, like I'm sure you are, you're you're going to have some good connections down the road. I was I was going to ask, like, do you think the PDGA should be doing more to help? you right now right like all that stuff like coordinating with a local like shouldn't the state coordinator be doing some of that work what what was your experience with uh like bill and i'm, I'm not trying to like put bill on the spot or, or fry him or anything i'm just curious what was the the interaction like with the uh the pdga during the the planning uh so i i did talk to bill um early, early on when we had issues with the parks and the split stuff and i think he was he was pretty helpful um, and he kind of recommended, you know, scaling it down as much as I could and just, you know, cause it was a B tier. He said, you know, everybody else is going down to a C tier. And, um, so he, he gave me some good recommendations, but he's also a volunteer position. So I really appreciate everything he does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like to have, to be in that position during this pandemic, yeah, I can't even imagine like having to coordinate all the, the entire state. But I also did reach out to um, Big Dog, Andrew Sweeten, on a few things. And uh, that guy is, like, extremely responsive. You send him an email, and within an hour, you get a response. And I had dozens of emails to him about different things because we were making all these changes. And I explained to him all the stuff with the Department of Health and these restrictions. And 
and he was just so accommodating and and um i didn't have as much respect for the pga as i did until going through all this um and i think like i said before new york is just a different state than than the pga is dealing with elsewhere so um i don't think right. it's anything the pga is doing wrong i just think it's the guidelines in new york are so strict that was my experience mm. that's good to hear you know because like but from my perspective, I, I feel like the PDGA could be doing more to help um, local tournament directors uh, and potentially should, and I, I know we've talked about this in the past, should structure, uh, you know, their their laws in a way that tournament directors should be compensated for their time, right? I, I think it's kind of crazy that you can't make money if you're running tournaments. <laughs> um, so, but, so I was curious about like what the, the experience was trying to conduct something like this in, in the middle of the pandemic. But um, I, I was, I was certainly um, expecting Bill to, to jump in and, and help out. But um, you know, like you said, it's a volunteer position, right. To, to run the state coordinator, to run as a start state coordinator. And uh, so I was curious what support you got from the organization as a whole, but it sounds like it was pretty positive. So that that's good to hear. Yeah. It's I, yeah. Sorry. Well, I was going to say the one thing, I mean, Having the baskets and the the backpacks, I mean that's just something. That's a yearly thing. the The discs and the player packs, if they're more, I, so, I know. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That those, I, I bet you can easily get those. Those covered in the shirts and anything stamped. But the you know, and then you always have the baskets. I mean, need more baskets to give away. Yeah, we always have tons of baskets. I was thinking too that like next year if I had. You know, one disc and maybe not even Innova because I'm always I've done Innova for five years. But if I had mm-hmm. one disc with a 2021 stamp and then the other two or three discs were from this year, I don't think any oh, yeah. of the players really mind. Yeah, makes sense. So that was another thought I had. I mean, it's just repurposing. So actually, when I went to the MVP Open, the AM side, I got a like 2019 MVP resistor and it was like s- still sweet. I wasn't like upset. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think it's kind of common practice. It was like 2018. Yeah. Um, I think it's nice to get one disc or one merchandise that has, you know, like that the year that you played it, just so it's like memorabilia. But the right. other stuff is just merchandise. You know, if you're gonna, it's this you're gonna throw and um, use. Right. And uh, this was the first year we tried doing shirts. Which um, actually, this is the first year. First year we've tried doing a lot of different things. So it was good in some ways that the pandemic allowed us to like experiment and not be all in because um i don't know just get, like uh, another instance would be splitting the tournament into one days so i've always wanted to do a one day tournament and so this is kind of opportunity to try that not necessarily for the mind kill disc golf championship but you know yeah. maybe another tournament in the fall or something like that uh digital scoring is another thing that i've really been wanting to try uh and the cell reception of mind kills not great unless you have Verizon. So we're going to try that and see how it works out. Um, yeah. So there's some new things I get to try. And uh, I learned a lot also trying to run this event in August. Um, the course is a lot different in August. And <laughs> since the pool is open, there's there's actually people at the park. Uh, not a lot of people, but I'm used to dealing with like nobody there in June. So mm-hmm. uh, lessons learned. Uh, you know, I got to reserve not only the pavilion, but other areas where people might be congregating. Um, just good stuff to learn. And, you know, I'll take what I can out of out of this experience. Awesome. That's awesome. I also wanted to commend Discap. Uh, every time I, I look on your like Facebook page, 
I know Kenji's not on, but I mean, it, it seems like you guys are putting in courses left and right. <laughs> it's yeah. like, like it's, it's absurd. Uh, like the prospect park, uh, course in Troy that just went in. I remember Kenji was talking about it. Um, the last time we were on, but, uh, I saw like the ribbon cutting and everything. There was a ribbon cutting for a disc golf park, you know, for a disc yeah. golf course. Well, yeah, it's like, Ryan, it's a big secret, but um, yeah, Kenji went Hollywood on us, uh, so we won't be hearing from him. He's been on interviews, uh, like you say, the ribbon cutting. And I believe right now uh, he would have been here tonight, but he's doing a TikTok. So, <laughs> what, you know, what are we gonna do? Oh my god, uh, I haven't thought of it yet, but that cover photo on Discap right now with Kenji at the podium is just a perfect meme waiting to happen. I just got to figure out what's going to go on. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some trivia to take your mind off things. Uh, we even have a mystery guest. Oh, boy. Probably, you probably don't know who it is. Um, I don't know. All right. So this week's mystery guest has been playing longer than his 112978 PDGA number indicate. It's possible he waited to join because a high PDGA number helps with his side hustle wagering on dubs. No, it's not you, Andrew. You're already here. <laughs> Uh, although you both participated in the U.S. Uh, amateur Match Play Championships, where he was a player and he ran the event. If you don't know who it is yet, Andrew, you will both be completing the end of another round trip in just a couple days. Andrew, who is this mystery guest? Ran the Match Play, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm. Not the one you were in. Right, right. Um, ooh, I'm drawing a likes blank to, on this one. Likes to wager on dubs. Hmm. Yeah, I do not know. All right. Well, thanks. <laughs> the, 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 the most enthusiastic uh, uh, fantasy disc golf uh, runner. Uh, Andrew, do you know now? No, I don't. Uh, I think uh, Ryan might. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Brian Heller. Woo. Oh, nice. Yeah. How's it going, everybody? This is this is where you say I've been trying to talk. I haven't been able to talk the whole time. <laughs> I, you know what? I didn't realize how hard that was going to be. Like I feel bad for the mystery guest now every week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, so first time on, I got to you know get your 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 stats. So how old are you? Single, married, kids, roommates, any uh, stuff like that? Oh, ASL. Okay. Um, I'll be I'll be fifty one on Friday. Okay. Um, divorced, one kid. I've uh, been playing disc golf for 13 years this summer. Why? Why take so long to register with the PDGA? Um, it was just something I did casually with friends. Like I, I, I did play a tournament way back in 2011. Um, didn't catch the bug for it, even though I love the sport. And uh, when I my first go round at the um, Warwick Ams, I, I signed up like a week before um, two years ago. Awesome. And, and that's yeah. and that's been it. And you're you're a teacher, right? Yes, I teach high school special ed. Okay, and how's that going with things as they are? Uh you know, it's one of those things. You know, every day you wait to see what you're going to be doing in the fall. I mean, as of right now, um, the program that I teach in, um, we are planning to go in every day for half day. Um, we'll be the only ones in the high school though, so it's kind of interesting to see how all that's going to work. All right, so. How did you first discover disc golf? Uh, it was a former coworker did it, and he got a group of us to um, to go out to to Warwick after work one day from Newburgh. So about like seven or eight cars made a beeline down eighty four, head heading to uh, Breakwell Steel, 
And he had a bunch of discs to let us all try. And I was like hooked in instantly. Like, I, think, I think I went home that night and, and ordered discs. Have you been playing more or less since uh, COVID? Uh, I would say definitely less in the beginning. I mean, I think the, the like uh, March and April, I think I maybe, I think March I played a couple of rounds, but then April I, I didn't do anything. And then I think May I kind of snuck out to uh, Davidge Park in, 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 in Middletown. Mm-hmm. And then um wake park yeah yeah <laughs> and then and then i started going up to beacon because because uh they were open up there but you know down here in warwick everything was shut down so had to kind of go on the download to find some courses to play at yeah same here I, I think kind of the same that little wave where you kind of tested the waters and then okay this is cool we're outside i think we're yeah pretty good um so you ran the, the a new jersey bracket right a regional for the the match play championships the amateur match play championships what what made you decide to run an event like that um well it it was the new new york bracket oh um, new york yep you know what it was something i thought about last year I, I, as i've been playing more in the last couple of years like i wanted to start trying to like put my toes in to running events and mm-hmm. this this seemed like an easy one to run because it was basically like a in the box little mini tournament type of thing to do so um, obviously I planned it before the shutdown. It was supposed to happen during it. So, I mean, obviously it kind of went all upside down like everything else, but we, uh, got it done. You, you know, a couple of matches happened before, but then everything else waited. And, uh, who won your bracket? Zach Doyle. Do you know, uh, has he gone on and uh, yep. is he still the, the, the um, New York one is done. He got second place in the New York one. They went up, they went up to a course up by Canastota. I think something like that. And basically I think they did it over a day or two days. They, they, they just did the, the whole New York bracket at that one, at one go round. Oh, wow. And he came in second, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did they only have four competitors, Brian? Um, yeah, it, it, it was um, the bracket. I, I ran down here in, in Warwick and the other three were like um, Buffalo. They were all over the map. <laughs> well, they were up like basically like just like a mile away from Canada. They were so far north. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it was definitely something fun. I'll, I'll definitely do it again next year. And hopefully next year I'll be able to run some real events. <laughs> uh, okay. So we have, uh, we got nine holes that we're going to do. I think, I think based on the talkers, we got nine holes will be good. <laughs> <laughs> what are you um, saying? <laughs> and uh, three of those rounds are uh, three of those holes are trivia. Um, I've actually split you guys up into dubs. Using your uh, PDGA rating, I just matched it up to to be the most even. <laughs> so it is Andrew and Ryan team against uh, <laughs> against Ryan and Jason. That is uh, team not Beacon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Other Beacon. Yeah, those teams aren't the team names aren't set in stone. Um, okay, before we get to the trivia, uh, we got a couple things to talk about. Just remember your partners. Hole one. We're gonna get right into it. And we will start with Jason with this one. How do you pronounce it? Golf or golf? Like golf or golf? What? <laughs> How do you uh, golf? golf? <laughs> Ryan, what about you? I, um, I, I, I'm thinking about it so much that I, that uh, I don't want to say. Oh, wait. Is it, is it Brian or Ryan? Uh, Ryan. I, was at, uh, I forgot there was a Brian and a Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Nelson. Okay. You made me think about it. I don't want to pronounce. I don't want to say it out loud because I don't know which one I I say. Yeah, Andrew. You guys, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's similar to what Jason said. So I I say golf, which maybe like 
the phonetic spelling would be maybe like G A H L F. Yeah, golf. Something like that. Golf. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this isn't part of the trivia, is it? Is this is no, no, a correct no. answer. No point on this. I'm Brian, what, do you, what do you say there, Brian? Um, I'd go with golf, like kind of like an all in the middle. Golf. I think I think most of us do, but I the I just get the occasional uh, golf. Gal, it's like a ga, like a like like G A L F. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. Okay. That was just, it, they're not all winners, but you know. All right. So hole two because they're not all winners. I just decided let's do trivia. Um, <laughs> I have a question for Jason before we get to trivia. Where are we? Uh, how, Jason, how do you spell your last name? Is there a space? Is it L A space? Uh, it's some. People in my family put a space in there. The S. Is, what do you do? The S is capital, so I don't put a space in there. But I guess if the S is capital, I probably should. But I like to do it without the space. Okay. Well, either way, uh, that inspired the round. You guys will figure out based on the questions what the theme is. Uh, I'm going to take a minute just to get set up and make a score sheet. So talk amongst. Hey, Ryan, congrats on that 1,000-rated round. Do you mean my 999-rated round? Well, I, th- I thought I just like looked it up and you had a one of those was um, in the Lost Valley. I thought it was 1,000. Oh, again, the Brian and Ryan thing. Oh, I was I like, was like, Lost Valley. Like, this is gonna be you can refer to me as, as Nelson. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I was like, I, was like I, I had a 999-rated round, but, you know, thanks. <laughs> that is impressive, Brian. You're the man. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to everybody <laughs> thank you. you you know what was great about it um was i you know honestly i was most pumped about who i could play with in the second mm-hmm. round so the second round i got to play with andrew fish well. and casey white and dustin keegan <laughs> that's pretty cool. and, awesome man <laughs> and and to boot i was on uh gatekeeper media's chase card that's so cool. What uh, is it what, though? Because oh my god, how ter- <laughs> terrifying <laughs> were those first nine holes? Oh my I goodness! Uh, how did you uh, how did you th- throw in the first nine? So, oh man, I mean the first nine was a little bit of a struggle. I definitely felt more comfortable on the back. So I went uh, bogey, then birdie, and two of them didn't get the birdie. So I felt pretty good about myself. I was like, all right, all right, we're 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 back to par. We're we're competing. And then on holes three and four, I was out of bounds on my drives by literally a centimeter oh. on hole three and about six inches on hole hole four. So, you know, I ended up with bogey bogey there. And uh, so I was two up for the first, um, you know, first four holes. And it was just like a roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I kind of picked it up, you know. Back nine, I had um, at one point like a, a three birdie streak, and I had the box for a couple holes, so that felt really, really awesome. And I had some pretty good, um, some pretty good tosses, uh, threaded uh, a needle with a forehand zone on, on one shot that I felt pretty proud about. And I'm like, oh, that'll be cool to watch on camera. <laughs> but uh, you know, overall, I, I only played like eight strokes or eight points above my rating that round, so. Mm-hmm. I guess above average, but barely, and certainly yeah. not as well as I played the first round. Yeah, uh, you, you start thinking like, 
you, you start to think maybe I should be doing what they're doing. Um, and I, I can't, I mean, certainly can't throw as far as fish, uh, <laughs> really or Dustin or, or Casey, but, um, you know, it just, I felt like my shots were, um, you know, they were throwing more, uh, more flip up and turning shots. And, and my game plan on that course is very like stay in the fairway, throw my Thunderbird a lot and just straight to slight hyzer. And so I started th- play like my Thunderbird was going to turn like their discs were. And <laughs> it just, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't make sense. Uh, so I kind of got in my head a little bit, but like I said, I kind of cleaned it up towards the back and, and started feeling a little bit more comfortable. Um, but I mean, all the guys I played with, like Fish is the man. He was super nice, um, encouraging. And actually one of uh, Fish's caddy, uh, Rick Sassaman, who's an excellent player himself. He's like 970 rated. Um, He's a local in PA. You know, we play together a lot. So I basically had a had a caddy with me because he was like cheering me on <laughs> along with fish. So I, I felt like I had a good support system and lots of people in the crowd were following me around and giving me cheers and stuff. So it it was a good experience overall. I definitely learned a lot this uh that that past weekend. Um, and was that was that your first time being on like, you know? Yeah, certainly on like any sort of professional not, i guess yeah, video not coverage in, at beacon nothing like that well no, I, real deal, <laughs> you know. uh, I yeah, i've been i've been video I, my rounds have been amateur videotaped twice and this is the first uh you know official um you know covered round so i was super excited it was a, it was a great experience but i definitely went downhill after my first round but uh you know maybe i'll learn from that moving forward All right. Uh, so hole four, we're going to, I just have a question for you. We'll start with Jason on this one because you'd probably have the least biased opinion. Uh, Jason, should all baseball stadiums have the same dimensions in the outfield? Um, that's always bothered me that they don't. It's like the only sport, right? Yeah. Like it, it's and, uh, golf. I guess that's the only, you know, golf related. Yeah. But like the stats you track in baseball are different than golf. Well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, no, you're right. I mean, and that's true that you've got stat hat stat happy people and in a sport where it's like well that's it's the least fair like this year all the east teams are playing the east the east have tough teams it's gonna be hard you know it's hard to play in that division uh move me out to the west coast you know i don't know yeah and um, like a, a home run is not the same thing as a hole in one like you got lots of home runs and it's the that's true yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, ryan what do you think on that should all baseballs have this, uh, stadiums have the same dimension well first i want to point out that you know, with the NHL, uh, I would be so pissed if I was in the Western Conference because I'm stuck in Edmonton. In the Eastern <laughs> Conference bubble is in freaking Toronto. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to, to, to quickly point out the inequity there. Um, but yeah, I, I find baseball is one of the most uh, dull sports to watch, so I don't have a, an opinion. I do like Jason's argument, though. I think if you're tracking uh, stats, uh, yeah, stat oriented. Yeah, if it's if it's stat oriented, it's it's unfair. All the all the you know sports that I watch, football and hockey, are it's a level playing field. 
Sure, the ice might be slushier in Florida, but <laughs> it's, it's it's the same dimensions. Uh, and and you can tell when like players come up from um, overseas and uh, playing like some like the KHL where they have bigger uh, rinks. You know, it, players have to adapt. But you know, in the end, all of the NHL stats are based off of uh, uh, you know the same dimensions. Although you know, there's been format changes over the years with. Uh, uh, how overtimes work and how points uh, are calculated in the regular season and such stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree with Jason's take there. I think, I mean, I, then again, I, I do like the personality that all these different baseball stadiums have. I, I guess I have a stupid question. If, if I'm like the Red Sox, um, how often do I play in my stadium versus all the other stadiums? In a regular season, uh, you would do 81 games at home and then 81 games in various other locations. Then, yes, I think that that's stupid. They should all be the same dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, I think that's that's always been weird to me, too, how stadiums can have different dimensions. Like some stadiums are like really good for doubles and triples, while others are like great for home runs. Um, I've, never, I've never understood it, but at the same time, you know, if we're if the argument's made that they should all be the same from like for like statistics, um, I mean, if we went back in time for baseball, like they've like always been variable. You know, even when there wasn't like a quote unquote like stadium, you know, the foul lines were just like a piece of rope that fans held, which like yeah. <laughs> moves and, and swayed like with the game. <laughs> you know, so if, yeah. if we're keeping stats for like those guys, you know, I think it's fine that we can keep stats for playing um, for historical purposes yeah that's fair yeah, yeah. you know in, in stadiums like the red sox stadiums which has like the green monster you know i i guess you could also make the argument that you could probably control stats for stadiums if you really wanted to and if that hasn't been that done then maybe it's not that important right I mean, I guess like yeah. you know, the distance between the mound and the plate is always the same. The distance between yeah, the, the infield plate and first is always the same. Always the same. It's really just a matter of yeah, the dimensions in the, in the outfield and the fence. Yeah, it's but okay. then again, in the seventies, they made all those cookie cutter stadiums, and people hated yeah. those yeah. and everything was the same, like Cincinnati and uh, St. Louis and all the AstroTurf. You know, wasn't that because one stadium uh, was it um, Camden Yards? Got built and everybody wanted the their own ones. Camden Yards. Exactly, and, and they made them all the same. Because they, yeah, because they used and they used that factory in uh, the outfield. That was right. the, the first thing. And now you can't go like uh, Memphis. They have a Triple A team, and their left field is a, a parking garage. You know, you I mean? <laughs> <laughs> need to have a wall of brick on one yeah. side of your outfield. Otherwise, it's not a baseball stadium. <laughs> Crazy, they're. Okay, uh, Brian, because I, I thought you were pro- you're a baseball fan, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd say casual fan, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what do you think on this? Uh, I don't know. Listen to everyone. I mean, I do agree it's kind of weird that they're all different, but like, what throws me off even more is how like in the, in the stadiums, like the distance down the right field line is different than, than the left field line. Like, mm-hmm. like see, even those are different like within the same field. You figure if it's x down one it should be x down the other but it's not yeah because i mean you get these like outfield walls that are like zigzags because that's where they you know the the player they just signed likes to hit them so they're gonna bump it there a little bit (laughs) yeah that's 
I mean, that's what it boils down to. 